same salvation that Peter says was given to me has come to all of them who know the Lord. That there is but one faith. God never partially saves anybody. Uh, the person that has been saved four minutes ago is just as saved as the person who was saved 40 years ago. See, the, the person that God saved four minutes ago, I said, is just as saved as the person that he saved 40 years ago. There is no degree in salvation. It matters not how long you have been saved. What matters is that you are saved. And so this is important here because uh, he says here that we all share a like precious faith. And as we go about in our doings, we've got to make sure that we never lift ourselves above any. Come on, because the same salvation that God has extended to one, he has extended to all. There is no such thing as a saint being more saved than another. And so I talked this on last week in great detail. Certainly people can be more sanctified, but definitely you cannot be more saved. Sanctification is a matter of personal growth. Sanctification is a matter of dedication and commitment. And so certainly as you avail yourself to be transformed by God, you can experience greater degrees of sanctification, but never greater degrees of salvation. You're either saved or you're not. Well, secondly, uh, we hear in the text that we not only all have a like precious faith, but we all have a faith that is centered around Jesus Christ. See, now I need you to get this by the spirit of the Lord, that, 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 that the salvation that we have is through Jesus Christ. God, he is called here in the text, our God and our Savior. This is important here, that there is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ, the Savior. Real salvation comes from Jesus, our Savior. Salvation, watch this, is by faith alone in Christ alone. This is important. I need you to get this, that the, one of the fundamentals of our faith is that salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ alone. You don't need Jesus plus anything to save you. Jesus alone is enough. Come on, you got you to gotta get that faith alone, Christ alone. It is through your faith in Christ alone that you are saved. So we all have a uh, uh, faith that is centered around Jesus Christ. He is our God and our Savior. Then the next thing that we see here is not only do we have a precious faith, not only do we have a faith that is centered on Jesus, but we have a faith that relies on God's divine power. I need you to get this here in the text here. According, verse 3 that is, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue. So we have a, a faith that relies on God's power according to his dunamis. It is God's dynamic power that solidifies our faith. It is because of God's dynamic power that we have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything that you need to live a life that is abundant, God has supplied it. I need you to get this by the spirit of the Lord. Everything that you need to live a life of godliness, I said, God has provided everything that pertains to life and godliness has been supplied to the people of God by God's dynamic power this is beautiful there is nothing lacking that we need in the spirit realm 
need you to get this. I said, everything you need in the spirit realm, God has already accomplished it through his divine power and it has been given to us through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you mean? There is no deficiency in the spirit realm. Everything that you need has already been supplied by God's divine power. I need you to get this here because sometimes we say, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I said to you last week, God has given us everything that it takes and there is no deficiency in the spirit realm. God's divine power has supplied to us everything that we need. Not only does our faith rely on God's divine power, but our faith is grounded in God's precious promises this is something here in the text here that that he says in verse 4 whereby are given unto us the people of God the beloved of God whereas uh, whereby there have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that, that that the promises of God are no joke that the promises of God are nothing to be played with we've got a precious possession that has been given to us in the promises of God this is important here because we have a faith that is grounded in God's precious promises we hold on to a faith in a God who cannot lie come on here I need you to get this that God is not a man that he should lie Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. And I need you to understand here that your faith, my faith, real faith, genuine faith is planted upon a, uh, the God and his precious promises that he has given to the saints. It's good to trust in the Lord. It's good to put your trust in him. I need you to get this by the spirit of the Lord because God's promises are true. It is good to put your trust in the Lord because he can't lie. Come on. Whatever God has spoken, he's God enough to perform. And so we see this truth coming forth in scripture that God has now uh, uh, lifted for us precious and exceeding great promises that he has given to his people. And then this is it. Through faith, we have a faith rather that, is, that has made us partakers of the divine nature. I need you to hear me about the spirit of the Lord here. That means to us that, that, that as we have trusted in Jesus Christ, we have been given the very nature of God through the person of the Holy Spirit, the very power of God, the very presence of God, and the very nature of God has been given to the people of God. We are partakers of the divine nature. What do you mean? That means that we're able, amen, to experience the same power that Jesus Christ experienced while he walked the earth. Come on here, that the divine nature has been given to us through the person of the Holy Spirit. Come on, that's why we can be victorious in life. That's why we are the head and not the tail. That's why we can live on top and not beneath. I need you to get this here because when you have the divine nature, you have been given everything necessary to participate in a life of victory. This is why you've got to praise the Lord tonight. Life can get vicious, but the Lord can make you victorious. Somebody give him praise right there. I want you to know you have been made a partaker of the divine nature. What, what do you mean, Pastor? It is because we are made partakers of the divine nature that we become more than conquerors in life. Because we are partakers of the divine nature, now we come to understand the words of Romans 8 and 37. Nay, in all these things, we are super conquerors. Come on here. Why are you a super conqueror? Through Christ who loved us. Because we partake of the divine nature we don't live a life defeated we live a life victorious we live a life overcoming we live a winning life come on here because in Christ we have been given everything we need to be victorious 
we are partakers of the divine nature. So this is powerful stuff here. He says, we've been given in verse four, uh, exceeding and precious promises, great, exceeding great and precious promises. And then he says that, that we are made partakers of the divine nature. So we settled that last week. If indeed we have a faith that is given to us, come on, that is a like faith. That is that nobody is more saved than the other. I don't care what church they go to. I don't care who they sit up under. Anybody who is saved is saved. Come on that nobody is more saved than the other. You might as well come off your high horse. God isn't saving anybody more than he's saving another. Come on. So, so everybody who is saved, you have what it takes. I talked to you about that last week. And then I went on to tell you that not only are we, are we in a like salvation, but all of us have been saved by the same Savior. That if your salvation is real, it, it must come from Jesus Christ alone. Come on here. You have what it takes. I said to you last week because you have a faith that relies not on human strength, but you have a faith that relies on divine power. Come on. So somebody said, how are you going to get this? It is the dynamite of God. It is the dynamic power of God that gives me the grace to do the work. I never do anything on my own. I have a faith that rests on the power of God and that because of God's power, I stand here. Because of God's power, I have been moved from lost to foul. Because of God's power, I am no longer blind, but now I see that's God's power. But then I've got precious and great promises that have been given to me. And then I have also the divine nature that resides in me. I have everything that it takes to be successful as it concerns life and godliness. Well, then we move to the lesson tonight because Peter goes a step further in verse 5 he calls us up a little higher he says to us you have real faith if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have a genuine faith. That faith is grounded in Jesus. That faith relies on God's divine power. That faith rests upon God's precious promises. That faith has made you a partaker of the divine nature. He, he then says to us, but now you must do something with that faith. Come on. That God has never saved anybody in order for them to stay the same. Once you have come to know faith, genuine faith, God expects you to keep growing. That's what I'm coming to talk about tonight. Uh, I want to talk tonight about growing. That, that, that if, if, if you are a child of God, you ought to be committed to consistent growth. Come on here. Now that I am saved, how can I make maximum impact in the world now that I am saved how can I come more into the likeness of my savior this is what God is speaking to us through the apostle Peter it is it is our responsibility to grow in our faith come on here now that we are saved we are expected to grow Look at that here. He says in verse 5, and beside this, you got all of this stuff going on for you. You got real faith. And if indeed you have real faith, he says, now it's time for you to be diligent. Come on here. How then do we respond to such a wonderful salvation? 
if we have God's promises, if we uh, 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 have a faith that, that is supplied by God's divine power, if Jesus has indeed given us all an equal salvation, if we've got all of this going for us, how ought we to respond? And Peter says, by the authority of the Holy Ghost, be diligent. Come on, when you have been delivered by the Lord, you ought to be diligent in growing up in him. Come on, now that you are delivered, it's time for you to be diligent. Now that your soul has been delivered, it is time for you to be diligent. It is time for me to be diligent. This is important here because genuine faith is important. But now that we have genuine faith, we've got to make sure we are following the natural progression. Come on here. What should be the normal, I should say, progression? Come on here. As it is in the natural, so we see it in the spirit. Nobody is born into the world and stays a baby. Oh, come on here. There must be a, 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 a growth that goes on that brings you into different stages, in, into hopefully adulthood. Come on here. Them who, are, uh, them who are born into the natural realm are expected to grow. As a matter of fact, if somebody's born into the natural realm and they do not grow, we will be going to doctors everywhere, specialists, trying to find out what is going on because we understand that once they are born growth is a part of the natural progression wouldn't you understand as it is in the natural soul is it in the spirit we, the people of God, who are born again, who are born from on high, who are born from above, who come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. It is those of us, amen, praise God, that the Lord says, I want you to be diligent now in growing up in me. I want you to move on to spiritual adulthood. Come on here. I need you to get this by the Holy Ghost tonight. So it is then the responsibility of every born-again believer to be intentional about growth. Come on. When God has saved you, it is your responsibility to keep growing. Now that we are saved, we are called to grow. So this is something because I said something important to you tonight and I want you to grasp this, that God never saves us with the intention of us staying the same. This is something here. Growth must be intentional as it concerns the people of God. This is something here. Growth, let me say that again, growth in God is not automatic. It must be intentional. Come on. You can't just sit back and do anything and grow up in God. Uh, you can't just sit back rather and do nothing, I should say, and grow up in God. Growth in God is not automatic. It must be intentional. This is important here. So, so what are you saying to us? Once you have received Jesus Christ into your life, uh, you, should, uh, you should start growing in your walk with the Lord. Get that. I said, once you have received Jesus Christ into your life, you should start growing with the Lord, growing in your walk with the Lord. So, so this is it, that, that our faith should be ever increasing, faith to faith. Come on, we should be advancing. So, so then growth in God, I said, is not automatic. It must be intentional. The more you grow, the more of an asset you can be to the kingdom of God. Come on. If you grow up in the things of God, the more usable you become in the work of God. The more we grow, come on here in the kingdom of God, the more of an asset we become. So, so this is it here because a lack of growth, according to the scriptures, will leave you ineffective and unfruitful. Come on. So, so, so this is important. Growth is necessary. So, so this is it. Once we are saved, 
Peter says by the Holy Spirit that we are to put all diligence into growing our faith. Listen to me. I said after we are saved, once we are saved, we ought to put all diligence into growing in our faith. Look at this. Listen to me closely. You are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Get me now. I said you are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. I'm going to say it one more time. You are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And that issue is settled. Go back and read Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. That's a settled issue. But, but now what I'm trying to get at here is Philippians 2 and 12 that says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Look at this. This is what I'm trying to get here. The last clause in Philippians 2 and 12. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Look at that. Even though you have been saved, by uh, grace through faith in Christ alone uh, Paul tells the church at Philippi work out your own salvation with fear and trembling now, now, now I need you to understand here what Paul says to the church at Philippi he does not say work for your salvation he said work it out Come on, Jesus has already paid the price for your salvation. You can never work for your salvation, but when you get salvation, you ought to work it out. Come on here. What does that mean to me? It means that salvation is God's work in us. Come on, how do I know that? Philippians 1 and 6 talks about he who, uh, who, who has begun a good work uh, in us, in us, in us. What is salvation? It is a work in us, in us, in us. Come on here, because you can't work anything out of you that ain't in you. Come on, I need you to get this here. So, so working out your soul salvation does not mean that you're working your way to heaven. Working out your salvation with fear and trembling is what the Bible says here. Come on here, that we ought to work out the salvation that, that we have been given with fear and trembling. Come on here. That, that, that reminds us here that we work it out as God is working it in you. You ought to be working it out. Come on here, as God is doing a work on the inside of you, your life ought to be a demonstration of what God is doing on the inside. Come on here, God has not saved anybody in order for them to keep it to themselves. Come on here, when you are saved, your life ought to show some sign. You got to work it out. If God is working it in you, it's your responsibility to work it out. Come on, I need you to get this. Jesus has already paid the price. Many people mix this up here and say, you got to work, you got to work, you got to work. You can't save yourself. That's not what the Bible is telling us. We are called to work it out. Come on here, you can't work out a salvation that God has not first worked in you. Come on here, I said you can't work out a salvation that God has not first worked in you. Come on here, I said you can't work out a salvation that God has not first worked in you. See, the point is, once you have been saved, God wants you to demonstrate that in the way you live. If we are genuinely saved, our lives ought to show some signs. Come on, it's bad to say you saved and your life don't show no signs of it. So this is it. This is why we don't become our greatest witness because many people say that they're saved, but they don't see the importance of showing signs of it. 
Come on here. We got to remember who we are and who God has called us to be. We are the light of the world. Come on here. And that's why he says in Matthew 5 and 16, let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. And I need you to get this here that the saints of God must then come on here, commit ourselves to do what is good, to doing what is just, to doing what is righteous because the world doesn't just want to hear you talk about I'm saved. The world needs to see some signs. Come on, you need you need to get this here. Uh, uh, Matthew 5 and 16 uh, uh, shows us the importance of it. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So doing good is, is one major way that we let our lives shine for Jesus. Come on, you don't get saved and do bad. Come on. It's not the will of the Lord for you to get saved and then do bad. So, 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 so God gets no glory when his people fail to do good. Come on. So what do you do? You go around letting your life, works don't save you, but when you get saved, you ought to have some good works. Come on. I say good works don't save you, but when you get saved, you ought to do some good work. Look at that there. I said, good works do not save you, but when you get saved, you ought to do some good work. Come on. So this is important here. Uh, that once the Lord saves us, we should devote ourselves to doing good. You see, you see uh, Paul says to Titus in 1 and 16, there are those who profess to know God but their works deny him. Isn't that something? They're them that say, I love him, I love him, I love him, but you can't look at their lives and tell it. If you love the Savior, your life ought to prove it. Come on here. If you love the Savior, your life ought to show the signs that you love him. This is, this is something here. He says, he says they... They, they deny him in their work. When, when we say we walk with the Lord, our work should demonstrate it. Come on. See, see, if we're genuinely saved, our lives must show some sign. God does not want you stagnated in your growth after he has saved you by grace. Come on here. God has not saved you by grace for you to be stagnated in your growth. Come on here. When you have been saved by grace, you ought, to be you ought to refuse to be stagnated in your growth. Uh, Lord, I want to please you. You saved me by grace and I want to I grow all I can for you. I refuse to be stagnated in my growth knowing that you saved me by grace. So, so this is it here. Uh, uh, that, that, that when we say we walk with the Lord, our lives should demonstrate it. God does not want us, uh, 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 want to save us uh, and, and then us to continue uh, in the same old thing. So, so Paul then talks to Titus in 3 and 8. He says this to him. This is a faithful saying. And these things, watch this, Titus 3 and 8. This is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly. Keep telling the people over and over and over again. What do you want us to tell them? That those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. Come on now. Come on, that those that believe in God keep telling the saints, them that say they have real faith, they ought to prove it by doing good. Come on here, that, that when your life, uh, when your life has been saved by the Lord, you ought, to, you ought to prove it by a corresponding lifestyle of good works. Come on, that alongside of your salvation ought to be a sanctified life. That alongside of your salvation ought to be a life that does good. 
uh, uh, Paul says to Titus, I want you, when you meet with the people, you keep telling them over and over again that those who have, uh, uh, those who have believed in God should be careful. They should be devoted. That word careful there in the Greek is devoted. That the people of God who have been delivered by God should be devoted to doing what's right in the eyes of God. This is something here. So, so uh, he says that, that we must have good works. Uh, this is a trustworthy saying. The NIV says it this way. And I want you to stress these things so that those that have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Come on here. Why? Because these things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Nobody, nobody profits when the people of God don't do good. Come on here. You can't bless a community if you're not doing good. Come on. You don't help anybody on your job if you're not doing good. Come on. If you want to bless people's lives, you ought to be devoted to doing what's good. Come on here. That's why the Bible is clear about that. Uh, uh, um, he talks about this um, in Galatians 6 and 9, and be not weary in well-doing, right? Don't, don't, don't let the devil get you to a place where you say, I'm not going to do no more good. Come on, because there is a reward attached to your good. Come on here. You can't do work for God and not get paid. So this is it here. We must continue to grow in what we do. Why? Because we are the light of the world. That is how God gets his glory when his people keep shining. Come on. When we keep growing, when we keep doing what honors him. So to, to the call of salvation then is a call to live a life that is set apart. So, so he says here in verse 5, you got to give all diligence. That, that word, give all diligence in the Greek, look here, and beside this, giving all diligence, and beside this, giving all diligence, that word, give, uh, giving all diligence, means make every effort to perform a certain task. Come on, what does it mean to be diligent? It means that you have an earnest determination. Look at this, giving all diligence. You ought to be earnestly determined. Look at this. I need you to get this. Uh, 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 that, that you ought to make every effort you can to make this happen. That's what the Greek is telling you. This, this verse 5 here is really saying to you that, that you should be, I should be, we the people of God should be earnestly determined. Come on. This is it. God does not want you passive when it comes to his purpose. My God, I need you to hit me here. Come on, the, the, you know, there are people that get excited about everything. You need, you need to get excited about excelling in God. Come on here. That, that when it comes to walking in the power of God, you can't be passive. Come on here. Come on. See, the devil is looking for passive saints that he can run over because passive saints won't lay hold the purpose. Passive saints, come on here. We'll, we'll, we'll let the devil growl at them and then get on the sideline. Oh, but you got to be aggressive. Come on, you got to have some spiritual aggressiveness about you so that you can press forth and keep going. This is what he said here that the people of God have got to get it. If you you're going to please God, you've got to have an earnest determination. If you're going to please God, you've got to be diligent. You've got to be intentional. Come on here. The idea is that maturing in God is not automatic. That if you're going to grow up in God, you've got to be intentional about making it happen. Come on here. Uh, we have to be intentional if we're going to mature in the things of God. Come on here. Now, now so, so put this, growing up in God requires diligence. Come on, this is something I need you to get. Put it down on record for your own life. That growing up in God requires diligence. Come on here. You're not going to just sit back and grow. 
Come on. You're not going to just do nothing and grow. If you really want to grow up in the things of God, you've got to be earnestly determined to do it. My God, I, I need you to grab this here. See, the idea uh, is that growing in the Lord is not ad- automatic and you cannot, be con- you cannot be passive concerning the things of God and consistently grow up in God. You can't be passive concerning the things of God and consistently grow up in God. You can't be passive concerning the things of God and consistently grow up in God. Do you hear me? You cannot be passive concerning the things things of God and consistently grow up in God. Come on here. This, this is something here. You, you, you must understand the importance. But see, this is why some people have made very little growth since professing to know God. I said some people have made very little growth since professing to know God. If you're not intentional about your spiritual growth, you can sit in church for years and never really grow up in God. Hear me now. Because this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about growth tonight. I'm talking about those of y'all that keep talking about you want the next level and you want God to do something in you. See, people, they want promotion, but they don't want to go through no growth process. Come on here. And you don't just wake up in a place of promotion, baby. Come on here. And you have not gone through a process. Joseph went through the process. Come on here. Come on. Yeah, he woke up one morning promoted, but he had to go through the process. He had to go through the prison. He had to go to Potiphar's house, rather, and go go through the pit, go through Potiphar's house, and go to the prison in order to get to the palace. He had to be promoted. And you know what? Every step God was training him and bringing him into the place that he needed to be that God could use him on another level come on here the pit was necessary in order for him to be useful in the palace come on here and that's why you've got to grow through it God wants you to keep growing this is important here spiritual growth is necessary you can you can spend years in church and never grow up in God if you're not intentional about your spiritual growth. Come on. We all start out as babes in Christ, but it is not the will of God for us to stay in the nursery. Come on. All of us start out as babes. Nobody's kicking that. Come on, I'm not fussing tonight. I'm glad when the saints of God come to the house of God and I'm glad to see the babes in Christ growing. Come on. But you know what? It gets a bit more disturbing to see them that have been in it 10, 15, 20 years, 25. Come on, I've been in church 50 years. Come on, you know what? Then, then you ought to be moving forward in God. You ought to be ashamed to say you've been in church 50 years and hadn't moved forward in God. Come on. So, so this is it here. We got to be committed to grow. All of us start out as babes in Christ. But, but, but we, it is not the will of God for us to stay in the nursery. You know what I found out? There are people who have been saved long enough uh, that by now they should be helping other babies in Christ. But they can't because they still holding down a crib. Come on. You can't help other babes in Christ if you overstay your time in the crib. Come on here. You you got to get out of the nursery yourself. Come on here. All of us, amen, praise God that have been in Christ some significant amount of time. Come on here. We got to make up in our minds we're going to grow. Come on here. God didn't save you for you to stay the same. Come on here. I want you to lift your hands tonight and say, I must keep growing. Come on, say, I must keep growing. Since God saved me, I must keep growing. The grace that I have received ought to motivate me to keep growing. Come on. So, so, so this is it here. There, there are people who have been saved long enough that by now they should be helping other babes in Christ, but they can't do it because they're still holding down a crib. Come on. So, so this is it. This is it. So, so you gotta, you gotta grow. You gotta grow. Come on. Don't, don't get growing up in church mixed up with growing up in God. They're two vastly different things. 
Come on. I know a lot of people that have grown up in the church, but they hadn't grown up in Christ. Come on. And so this is it. Why are you growing up in church? Grow up in Christ. It's good to grow up in church. I'm a child of the church. I'm a product of the church. I love the church. I defend the church. I fight for the church. You want to make me mad, start talking down on the church. Come on, I love the church, but guess what? I want to tell you, you cannot just attend church. You've got to be intentional about growing up in Christ. Come on here, especially those of you who are attending ministries like this where the teaching of God is coming forth. When you got the truth of God, there is no excuse for your life not being transformed. Where there is truth, there is always the potential of transformation. But you've got to be intentional about applying the truth. And that's why the devil doesn't want you in ministries where you can hear the truth. He wants you off on tangents. He wants you off dealing with people that won't preach the Bible come on here because you know what if you don't hear the word of God you'll never walk in growth in God come on it takes the word of God in order to grow up in God and where there is an absence of the word there will always come on here be a deficiency in your walk do you hear what I'm saying you can you can absent yourself from the word come on here and then be efficient in your walk with God you better hear what I'm saying here where there is an absence of the word there will be a deficiency in your walk I need you to hear me here so so uh, I want then to make sure that I understand that 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 I understand that just because I've spent decades coming to church does not mean I'm growing up in Christ come on don't just spend decades coming to church get devoted to growing up in Christ Come on, while you attend the local church, you got to commit yourself to maturing in Christ. So, 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 so this is it. Salvation is God's work alone, but sanctification is the work of God and man. Come on. Come on, you, you, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Come on, you are declared righteous. You are saved by Christ alone. But if you're going to be sanctified, if you're going to grow up, then you got to avail yourself, right? Right? Why is sanctification the work of God and man? Because you got to do something. In order to be sanctified, you got to partner with God. Come on. I said if saints are going to be sanctified, they must partner with God. Come on here. That means you got to show up at church. God ain't going to send no chariot by the house to bring you to church. Right? You got to intentionally open up your Bible. God's not going to send a seraphim down to read you the scriptures. Come on. You got to have some, what my grandma would call, get up about yourself. Come on. You got to have some spiritual get up if you're going to grow in God. Come on. You can't grow in God and you don't have no get up. So this is it. Some people are just satisfied knowing God through other people. Right? But, but that's why I keep telling you if, if you, if you read through the scripture, God has children, but never is God said to have grandchildren. Come on, because you got to know them for yourself. Your grandma's and mama's and cousin's relationship is not good enough for you to know God on. Come on. God wants a one-on-one -on -one with you. God wants to help you to grow. God wants to help you to flourish. Come on. God's got purpose for your individual lives. And so what you want, he wants me to be intentional about growing up in him. So, so this is it here. Uh, the meat of the matter tonight. I just got a few more things I want to say. I want to deal then with verses 5 through 7. He says, you got to be diligent. What, what am I to be diligent about? You got to be diligent about your growth. Come on here. If God has saved you, keep growing if God has brought you the last five years keep growing come on do not stop do not become stagnated keep growing this is something here uh he says you got to be diligent diligent about what you got to be diligent about adding to your faith Come on here. Now that I'm saved, now that I have saving faith, I must be diligent about adding to my faith. 
Come on. What do you mean? You mean that ain't enough? This is, this is the problem for y'all that are saved and that your only motivation in life now is I just want to make it in. Come on. God wants more for you than to make it in. Come on. If salvation was just about you making it in, come on, then he could have saved you and taken you. Come on. Salvation is much more than you just making it into heaven. God wants you to be an impact in the earth while you're here. So this is it. He says, we have to be diligent about adding to our faith virtue. Come on. So now he's, he's showing us the ingredients for a growing faith. Come on. He says now that you have faith as, as the foundation, then he says you've got to lay something else on top of that faith and he calls it virtue. Come on. Come on. What, what are we doing? you got to keep growing. Now that you're saved, you need to take virtue. I need to take virtue and add it on top of my faith. How should I do it? I should be diligently, earnestly determined to add virtue to my faith. I should not be passive. I should be saying, I got to get this virtue. Come on, not going to be light about this. You got to be diligent, earnestly determined to add virtue to your faith. What is virtue? Virtue is moral excellence. It is, it is, it is that once you are saved, you got to be diligent about adding virtue to your faith. Virtue is courage and commitment to do what's right. Come on here. When, when, when you are operating in what the Bible calls virtue here, you are one who says, I'm going to be, I'm going to walk in a steadfast integrity. I need you to get to see it, virtue is a commitment to doing what's right. It is steadfast integrity. Come on here. It, it, is, it is when you purpose in your heart to please God no matter what others do. Come on here. You got to add virtue to your faith. Come on. See, see, sometimes being committed to God may require you to go against the crowd. I'm talking about moral excellence. I'm talking about virtue. I'm talking about steadfast integrity. You, uh, you know, sometimes you got to have courage to stand up for Christ in an anti-Christ culture. Come on now. This is where we are now, and it is increasing. The, 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 the culture is getting more hostile to Christ. And the days are coming that, that, that just walking around and, and, and thinking that this is about your personal agenda and personal gain. I'm telling you, the days are coming that this is not going to be something that you're going to just want to be playing with. Come on here. Faith in Christ costs. Come on, to follow him cost, to be a genuine disciple of the Lord cost. And I need you to get this here because uh, when you have virtue, you will stand up for Christ in an anti-Christ culture. Come on here, Th that's what I'm saying to you tonight. You've got to have courage to stand up for Christ in an anti-Christ culture. That's what Daniel did in Babylon. You remember Daniel and his friends, they would not eat of the king's meat. Come on here. They said, we don't want that. And they, 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 they got permission from the king that they were not to eat it and to see how we fare eating what we're going to eat. Come on here. God already gave us a standard. And just because we're in Babylon, we're not going to get here and start turning back on God. See, this is what I'm talking about when I talk about virtue. It is having the ability to hold out. Come on here. And you know what happened when Daniel and his friends did not eat? the king's meat. Come on here. When they came to look back on them and look at their countenance, they looked better than all of the men that ate of the king's meat. Come on here because guess what? When you operate in moral integrity, come on here, then God will bring you out victoriously. I wish I had somebody that hears what I'm saying. Come on here. Life can be vicious. What God says, when you act virtuously, 
I'll cause you to emerge victoriously. I said when you act virtuously, God will cause you to emerge victoriously. Come on here. Now what does this mean? If you're going to have virtue, you've got to purpose in your heart. You can't wait till you get to the temptation to start trying to figure out what you're going to do. Come on here. That's what I love about Joseph. Come on. The reason that Joseph was able to be successful is that he purposed in his heart that he was going to please God. And the people of God need to purpose in their hearts that they're going to please God. Joseph could have never escaped Potiphar's wife. Come on here. Had he not purposed in his heart that he was going to please God. You can't wait till it get there on you. You can't wait till you let it in the house. You can't wait till it get in the bedroom. You've got to purpose in your heart that you're going to please God. You've got to make an intentional decision that you're going to please God. Keep growing. To your faith, you want to add virtue. Come on here. You've got to make a predetermined decision to please God. God, I just said something there. I said you've got to make a predetermined decision to please God. I said you've got to make a predetermined decision to please God. Come on here. You know what? Before I've taken any assignment, I've come to the assignment saying, I'm going to please you, Lord. I've got my mind made up to do what is honorable. I've got my mind made up to walk in the fear of the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying here? When you got a mind made up to please the Lord, the Lord will prosper your life. I need a praise that'll grab it right there. I said when your mind is made up to please the Lord, then the Lord will prosper your life. Somebody give him praise right there. You need a steadfast integrity to please God. Come on. You don't need a steadfast integrity to do what you want to do, but to please God takes a steadfast integrity. Come on here. You got to make a decision to please God, not just in the public eye, but in your private time. That's real integrity. Come on here. Real integrity lives for the Lord when nobody's looking. Genuine integrity honors God even when you convinced that you could get away with it. Come on here. Adding virtue is what God wants us to do. Adding virtue will keep you from violating other people. Adding virtue will keep you from violating the word of God. So we got to be diligent in adding virtue. And then he says, and then when you uh, start adding virtue on top of your virtue add knowledge the word there in the Greek is gnosis it is to it is to describe descriptive, descriptive of a, a knowledge that is experiential it is a knowledge that is based on observation it is a knowledge that is practical see, see knowing and experiencing God is what he wants that, 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 that's what it's talking about here you ought to add to your faith uh, uh, you ought to add to your faith virtue and to virtue you ought to add knowledge. What do you mean? It's, it's the kind of knowledge that comes from hanging out with God. When you hang out with God, you grow in your knowledge of him. Come on here. So saints should delight in hanging out with the Savior. The more time you spend with God, the more your life should be transformed for the better. I said this last week. The more we grow in Christ, the more we can make Christ known to the world. So, so this knowledge reflects knowing God in fellowship, but knowing God through his word. The will of God is found in the word of God. Wisdom for living is found in the word of the Lord. Yes, I said wisdom for living is found in the word of the Lord. You can't consistently grow without a commitment to knowing God's word. Believers grow stronger as we feast on God's word. And this is it then add to your knowledge. Come on, isn't this something? You got to keep growing. Add to your knowledge temperance. What's that? Self-control, self-restraint, right? That God gives you the ability, come on, that when ain't nobody else around, you got a grace to slap your own hands and say, no, don't touch that. Don't look at that. Don't do that. Come on. I need you to get this. Here, he's talking about self uh, control or self-restraint, temperance is self-restraint. It, it describes uh, uh, not being led by the lust of your flesh, that everything your eyes see, you know, you just directs you, right? It, this is it here. He says, he says, if, 
you can get this and add on to your knowledge temperance. Come on. That, that, see, the real secret to self-control is to relinquish your control to God. Come on, I just said something there. I said the real secret to self-control is relinquishing your control to God. Come on, self-control is not motivated by yourself at all. Come on, self-control, temperance is a fruit of the Spirit. So this is something here. He says, he says that's what will happen. When you operate in self-control, you, you, know, you, you can then withstand the devil. See, we withstand the devil when we walk according to the Spirit of God. Galatians 5 and 16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. Come on here. That you can't walk in the spirit and fulfill the desires of your flesh at the same time. You can't walk in the spirit and, and, and fulfill the, the, the appetites of your lower nature at the same time. So, so, so walking in the spirit, yielding to the spirit gives you self-restraint. Right? It'll allow you to get up when you need to. Leave when you need to. Do what you need to. Come on. Come on, somebody listening to me. You need a little self-restraint. Self-Lord, help me, right? And that'll, that'll uh, come from yielding yourself to the Spirit. So this is it, self-control, self-restraint. So he said, uh, on top of your knowledge, self-control. Keep growing. But then he comes back and he says, on top of your self-control, add patience. That word patience is long-suffering. It is the ability to hold out in the face of hard times. It is endurance. It is perseverance. Come on. The word patience here is perseverance. Uh, it, is, it is that you have to be intentional about adding on patience, long-suffering. You got to be diligent about yielding yourself to walk in patience through the Holy Spirit. You got to be determined, what does that mean? To draw strength from God. Come on, consistently, I want to draw my strength from God. Come on, because God will give you strength to endure. When God is the source of your strength, you can come through any storm. When, when, when God is your source, you, you can stand up when the winds of life get to blowing. When, when the evil day comes, when, when God is your strength, you can endure. Be intentional about consistently tapping into God's strength until it becomes a natural thing to do. Come on. You defeat the wicked one by walking in God's strength. You are in need, the Bible says, of patience so that after you have done the will of God, you may lay hold of the promise. Come on here. Your faith must be fortified with endurance. Come on. There's a lot of people that got faith, but they don't have faith that holds out. Come on. And God wants your faith to be fortified with endurance. Come on. That's what the Bible says. Be not weary in well-doing, right? Because the devil tries to wear away at your faith. But there is no pay for people who pass out. Come on. You can't get what God has fainting. See, this is something here. So, so you can't receive your payday if you keep passing out. Come on. I love that. As your days are, so shall your strength be. Do you believe that? I said, as your days are, so shall your strength be. Every morning, God will supply you with new mercies. God will, every morning, supply you with all of the mercy you need for that day. Come on. The miseries of life are never greater than the mercies of the Lord. I'm talking about spiritual endurance. Come on. Spiritual endurance will keep you from falling apart when life gets fierce. Spiritual endurance will help you to hold strong when hell storms up. Come on. Spiritual endurance will help you not to crumble when you're faced with life challenges. Come on here. Spiritual endurance will make you a super conqueror in life. And then he says this, on top of your uh, long-suffering godliness come on add to your long-suffering godliness the bible calls us to be uh people who pursue godliness come on here godliness is synonymous with christ likeness come on 
Godliness means that you live your life in a way that honors the Lord. Godliness is when you are determined for every uh, area of your life to reflect pleasing the Lord. Come on here. One of the flaws of the modern day preaching is that uh, it fails to encourage people to pursue godliness. Come on here. We're not just called to be gifted. We should be seeking godliness. Come on. While we desire more spiritual gifts, we should be devoting ourselves to godliness. Come on. The Bible encourages us to desire spiritual gifts, but it also encourages us to be devoted to godliness. While you are desirous of spiritual gifts, you ought to be devoted to godliness. Come on. See, the world does not just need to see gifted saints. It needs godly ones. And then this is it. On top of your godliness, add Philadelphia, add brotherly kindness. Treating people in the house right, like saints, fellow saints. Treat one another like God says. Come on, come on. That, 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 that follows a, a long line of stuff. Come on here, that when we're treating people with uh, brotherly kindness, we're not being petty. We're not ca caught up in foolishness. We're not finding reasons to criticize and find fault and tear one another down. Come on here. Come on. You can't bash other believers and then please the Lord. Come on. So this is something here. Brotherly kindness is a necessity. Ask God to help you to be intentional about being kind to your sisters and your brothers. Come on. The love of God ought to be shown towards other believers. If we say we know the Lord, it should not kill us to be kind. Come on. You know what I found out? A nasty attitude will quickly create a negative environment. Oh, yes. I'm telling you. Uh, 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 an ugly attitude opposes the unity of the body of Christ. So, so what do we need to do? It is, it is that we've got to be intentional about reflecting the Lord Jesus Christ. See, because brotherly kindness is a true reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this is something because, you know, uh, 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 some people are, uh, uh, are far more eager to criticize than they are to be kind. See, and this is something, being hateful offers no help to the kingdom assignment that God has given you. When you are hateful, you do harm to the cause of Christ. And see, this is it. Mean saints are a very poor reflection of the master. So this is something, kind words. Come on, find ways to compliment, find ways to be kind. Be intentional about adding brotherly kindness and then he says this add love charity come on to brotherly kindness add love come on here you know what that's not just for the saints you ought to love everybody come on here beloved let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God but he that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love we are most like God when we are loving people the birthmark of a true believer is love. This is what we got to do. We've got to operate in love. God wants us to keep growing. I've just given you several, seven things tonight that I hope has been a help to your life. You got to do some adding on. Now that you are saved, keep growing. Check your list of seven. Look at your add-ons. And make sure that according to the word of God, you are adding on what pleases him. Come on. He's given us seven things here that I want the people of God to hold on to. And to make sure that no matter what comes, we add on. Keep adding on virtue. Keep adding on knowledge. Keep adding on self-control. Keep adding on patience. Keep adding on godliness. Keep adding on brotherly kindness. Keep adding on love. 
I'm here to tell you that when we add on in a way that pleases the Lord, then he can promote our lives to do greater things for him. This is the message tonight. I thank you all for listening. I pray that your hearts have been encouraged like mine has been encouraged. Because you know what? I want to be serious about growing up in God. You know what? I want to grow, but I've got to realize that growth is not automatic. It must be an intentional effort on my part to grow up in the things of God. You know what? I want the people of God to pray. You know, this is, in this pandemic season, one of those times where we can put our attention on our own lives. You know, I'm glad that we don't have a church full in here tonight so you don't have nobody to look across the row at. Come on, don't look across the row, look in the mirror. Come on, because the Lord wants you to grow up in him. And when you have grown a little bit, keep growing. Come on, every day, keep growing. Every month, keep growing. Every year, keep growing until you come into the likeness of Christ. Thank God for all of you tonight. I appreciate you for listening in. Please share this word. I know these are things that you don't hear a lot about uh, uh, in the modern day movement of preaching and teaching. Uh, I thank God for those who are dedicated to preaching the word because God has blessed many leaders to be able to do so. But, but this may not be prevailing everywhere. But I don't want you to think you're missing anything good. Doesn't get any better than the word of the Lord. And you know what? We are training winners here. Come on. When you come to Philippi and contending for the faith, I welcome you to Champions Court and Winner's Circle. All we do is win. I ain't training no wimps. I'm training warriors. We don't train chumps. We train champions. And I believe by the word of the Lord that no matter what comes in life, uh, according to Romans 8 and 37, in all these things, we are hupernikeo in the Greek. That is super conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. Hupernikeo. Share the word of the Lord. Let somebody hear what thus saith the Lord tonight. This is going to be one of the most important teachings that I ever do in my lifetime. Amen. I want you to get it and grow by it. I know what? I preached it to you, but I'm making myself first a partaker of these divine truths. And studying this lesson has been an awesome blessing to my life. Share it with somebody. Spread the word. Negativity is everywhere over this social media. But I'm telling you what, as we begin to share the word, I believe that people, not just at our church, but people everywhere, can hear these things and begin to grow and better advance the kingdom of God. God bless you tonight. Father, I thank you and praise you for every listener. May we do self-inspection. Place before us with your word a mirror that we may let you search us and try us. And by the Holy Ghost, if you see any unclean way in us, lead us to thy way everlasting. Thank you for your sanctifying power. And we avail ourselves to be used of you. Do what you want to do in our lives and help us to yield to your instruction. We thank you and we praise you for the ability to hear the word. May our lives be committed to the good works that bring glory to your name. May we go out and be better stewards of kingdom building. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.